This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Mike here, and that makes this the Conquering Columbus podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, and we've got a great episode ready to go for you. On this episode, we're talking with Andrew Bennett, Chief Business Officer at Provide, and you'll learn more about Provide and Andrew's journey from baseball coach to CBO. And as always, we're sure you're going to get a lot of value from our conversation with Andrew. Early on in the show, we spoke with Andrew about the transition from teaching and coaching baseball to the business world and how he worked through the difficulties making that move. I had a lot of imposter syndrome (laughs) during those early years. Like, hey, do I know what I'm doing here? Like, should I really be in the business world or the tech world? Is any of my past life gonna translate at all to what we're doing? And it took a while, but I started to see that there were some similarities, like building a college program is in some ways similar to building a company, right? You're creating a culture, hiring people, recruiting people, managing is similar to coaching in many ways. So I drew some parallels over time that made me sort of see, hey, there is like kind of a connection here. Later, we asked Andrew about the challenges of finding product market fit and how the provide team worked through that in the early years of the business. Trying to find product market fit, right, is always that period for any company that's a little bit scary. And for us, it took a long time, right? The guy's original business model was good, but ultimately not what we ended up doing. So those years of being like, well, should we keep this business going and start a new one on the side? Should we become a lender or not? Should we sell our software and become a software provider to banks? Like all these sort of existential questions. Looking back, we can say, oh yeah, we made a handful of good decisions, got lucky in a lot of ways. And then I think like the early days of the pandemic for of course many companies, very scary, right? But for lending companies, especially like dental and vet practices in our world, they shut down and it wasn't clear like when they'd reopen. And many banks in our industry stopped lending altogether for a long stretch of time. And we were very lucky our bank partners, including Fifth Third, stood by us there, right? And said like, hey, we want you to keep doing loans as soon as practices reopened. And it was clear that like, whatever else happens, like this industry is going to kind of be the same. Towards the end of the conversation, we asked Andrew about some advice for our listeners and simply put, he answered, enjoy the journey. When you're in that really stressful time early on, when you're trying to figure out what you're going to do and you don't know if it's going to work, you definitely tend to forget to enjoy the journey. When it's stressful, it is hard to say like, oh, this is amazing and I'm trying to embrace this. But I do look back and say, I miss those early days in some ways. There's like a sense of like, okay, just like get to the next fundraiser, get to the next moment where we can catch our breath and we'll be all right. But if you're constantly doing that and like, looking two, three steps ahead, you do sort of miss the journey to some degree, right? And so I, if I could do it again, that's when I would try to soak it up more, right? And, and just be like, even if it is stressful and uncertain, like there's a lot of magic in that, which is really cool to be a part of. All right, everybody, that's it for this preview. Let's get this show on the road. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. This is your co-host, Mike. That's Josh over there. You know the show. Dude, you got you. I'm trying new things. It's almost like you go out of your way to say, wait, How wait, can wait. I make this how more awkward? I, how about I reset and try that one again? You want to go backwards no, I want and we'll do the, it again? I want, and and cut it. I want people to know what you're like in real so life. So let's actually, if you're listening to this, then I'm going to try a second intro. You comment and let us know which one you prefer. All right. This is going to make it even more awkward. You I go, like it. You want to <laughs> go, go for I'm your second go attempt? Full into the awkwardness. So how about instead of that, we did, Hey, everybody, I'm Mike. That's Josh. That makes this Conquering Columbus. Welcome to the show. Josh, how you doing? I'll be very good when this is over. Yeah? <laughs> Not the whole interview, just the, the discussing things with you one-on-one part. Yeah. I'm good, dude. This is a busy week. I'm uh, headed to Mexico on Thursday for a close friend's wedding, which should be pretty enjoyable because mm-hmm. it's not Ohio. And other than that... You created a podcast all about a town in central Ohio, well, I but like, you're I to like get out the of it. human beings of Columbus. <laughs> but the gonna, state itself, the yeah, climate, it's not your thing. Yeah. You know, just being able to see the this sun. This is like a little the best more. time of year in Columbus, though. I will give you that. I do love September and like the first week and a half of October. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And then we experience about seven days of winter. But winter is coming. And then yeah. it'll start raining. And so it's going to go bad. Yeah. But that's enough talking about the weather as we usually do <laughs> to start this show off. So we'll take a moment to introduce our guests. So today on the show, we've got Andrew Bennett joining us and he is the chief business officer at Provide. Provide is a digital financial services company focused on healthcare and they serve healthcare organizations by providing financial products throughout their journey from startup loans to remodels, expansion services, and more Prior to working with Provide, Andrew spent time teaching and coaching baseball at Midland and Misericordia University. Did I get that one right, Andrew? Pretty close. Yeah, Okay, well, you know, I'll count it. It's a tough one. But we're excited to have Andrew on today to learn more about Provide, his career, and more. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and it's great to have you here as well. So uh, one of the first places we like to start is just get a little bit of background on yourself and your story so that our guests kind of know who we're talking with and what's going on. So take us away. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota, actually with the, the two co-founders of Provide, uh, mm-hmm. Dan Titcomb and James Bachmeyer. So known those guys since we were nine, 10 years old. But uh, my first career, previous life was as a teacher and a coach, as you mentioned. So I started out doing um, high school coaching and uh, coaching baseball and, and teaching math, and then made the move to the college level uh, at Misericordia, as you mentioned, in uh, Dallas, Pennsylvania. Did a grad assistant coaching job there and then coached at Midland for a year. And then, you know, after six, seven years of that career, I, you know, I had a dream of sort of being a head coach at a small college and teaching some classes and living that life. But Dan and James had moved out to San Francisco, started a startup, you know, in a one bedroom apartment, very typical startup story, working out of coffee shops, sounded really fun. And I was ready for change. I was ready to try something different. So I called them up and was like, hey, you know, could I come join you guys? And they had brought on a third co-founder at that point, as well as two employees. So I joined as employee number three, person number six uh, in May of 2015. So they founded the company in 2013. They're about a you know year and a half into it at that point when I joined them. But it was, you know, six guys in, a, in an office trying to figure out a business and a big change coming from, you know, higher ed and, mm-hmm. and a very different career. But it's been a great journey. What did you study in undergrad? Math and physics. And you did that where at? Uh, started at Grinnell in Iowa and then transferred to Hamlin University in St. Paul. You transferred for athletics then? Grinnell is a, is a cool place. People tend to love it there. I was a little homesick um, in Iowa in the middle of nowhere. And it's a great school, but uh, I wanted to come home and Hamlin was right down the road and uh, knew the coach there and had a great experience. And then you said you did a grad assistant role. So what did you do your graduate studies in? Was it in math and physics? No, organizational management. So I, I love the grad assistant life because you're coaching full-time, but also getting your master's for free and mm-hmm. uh, you got a meal plan, right? And you're recruiting all the time and it's a lot of fun. It's not like financially that lucrative, unfortunately, but it's it's a great time. And if you want to go into coaching, it's a great way to, you know, especially college coaching, get a foot in the door. It's just such a unique background. So like, Taking it to my final real question is you have math and physics and the organizational management, which brings the business piece into it a little bit more and then coaching and then it's jumping into a startup. So when you first engage with them, did you have a role in mind or a position inside of the company that you were really passionate about that you wanted to pursue or you just say wherever you can use me? Yeah, kind of wherever you can use me. I, you know, had a lot of imposter syndrome (laughs) during those early years. Like, hey, like, am I, do I know what I'm doing here? Like, should Mm -hmm. I really be in the business world or the tech world? Um, Is any of my past life going to translate at all to what we're doing? And it took a while, but I started to see that there were some similarities, like building a college program is in some ways similar to building a company, right? You're creating a culture, hiring people, recruiting people. Uh, managing is similar to coaching in many ways. So I drew some parallels over time that made me sort of see, hey, there is like kind of a connection here. 
So what were you doing then in that early time? And when were you playing more utility role? Were yeah. you working on, you know, the customer success side of the business? Like what was going on? Yeah, just working deals, like talking to customers. We did a lot of that in the early years. And, and Dan and James, even, you know, long before I joined, talking to small business owners about the whole financing process. And it's really those, you know, hundreds of conversations over a long period of time that sort of led us to the business model that ended up working after others that like didn't work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was kind of just everybody doing everything and a lot of fun. And that's been one of the great parts of the journey, like building a company with your friends. They trusted me to do kind of whatever needed to be done at a given time, whatever the highest priority thing was. I got to change jobs a lot and, you know, focus on really interesting problems mm -hmm. that in a different situation, you know, you have a more limited defined role. I might not have been able to do that. So to me, that was one of the great parts of the journey is just jumping around, doing whatever needed to be done. So did you start to specialize though as the company grew or have you kind of always been on the utility? I'm going to kind of keep everything together, the glue, so to speak. A little bit more on like the product and operations side. Dan as the CEO over time became very focused on the fundraising side. Mm -hmm. James, our COO, focused on the capital market side of the business eventually because getting lending capital, bank partnerships, that's a huge part of building a lending business. And James was amazing at that. So I sort of settled in the middle as like the GM of the business, but that did take time. It wasn't like, you know, we immediately said, okay, we're each going to do these things. But it was, you know, generally sort of the more operational things, right? Figuring out how things are going to work. And again, just, you know, the coaching connection of just like managing and leading people. And when was it that you joined again? Because I missed the year. May of 15. So they founded the 15. company at the end of 2013. Mm -hmm. well, I guess it depends. At some point in 2013, they founded the company. I joined in, in May of 15. Um, and then we hired a few more folks in the fall of 15. But, it, you know, it wasn't like we weren't one of those companies that raised a ton of money out mm -hmm. of the gates and hired, you know, hundreds of people right away. It was you know, a good nice period. gradual. Yeah. Build. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We like to call that sustainable growth here at FMX. So FMX is my day job, but yep. we talk about sustainable growth a lot, which is, Hey, we're not trying to burn so much cash that if we don't hit a target, we're going to have to lay people off. Yep. Right. We want to make sure we always have a path back towards being profitable and making, yep. while growth is important, we don't want to put ourselves in that type of a risk position. So yep. I, I can definitely understand a nice sustainable growth as you kind of join and started to get your bearings and you started to really kind of get into the role you mentioned earlier, right? Hey, wondering, is any of this stuff that I learned going to apply in the coaching aspect really coming in tight? What did you guys focus on from a culture standpoint early on? What were you guys trying to build the culture around? I think to some degree, our Midwestern roots, right? The company was founded in San Francisco, but you know, we're all Minnesotans. Uh, we're, I think, empathetic, humble people. We love good teamwork, right? And, and, and building a culture of, you know, not a lot of ego, just people working together to solve interesting problems. And we didn't really codify the culture right away, right? Mm -hmm. It took us a few years to say, okay, we should like sit down and say, these are our values and this is our mission. And at that point it was more sort of describing what we were seeing from people versus like saying, okay, this is what we want to be, right? Which I know there's lots of theories on like, should you set out and do your values? That's the first thing you do when you found a company or do you wait until you sort of see how things are operating? But we were the latter, you know, we were like, okay, we think we have great people and we see how we sort of treat each other. Let's go ahead and sort of describe that. But a lot of it was just, we got really lucky with some of the people like Sean Simon, our first hire, here in Columbus, just unbelievable leader, amazing recruiter, great culture guy. And so it just like, you know, kind of organically happened. Hey, everybody, Mike here. We're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors, One Columbus. And we are very excited to partner with One Columbus. They really, really share the same vision as us here at the Conquering Columbus podcast, which is really building up the Columbus region to be one of the most prosperous regions in the United States. And One Columbus serves as the business location resource for companies across central Ohio and around the world as those companies grow, innovate, and compete within the global economy. And they help us lead a regional growth strategy that develops and attracts the world's most competitive 
companies, it grows a highly adaptive workforce and prepares our communities for the future, inspiring innovation across the board. Their mission really is just ensuring the Columbus region is a vibrant place to build businesses and careers. So again, we really appreciate all of their support. You want to learn more about them, go check out their website, columbusregion.com. That's columbusregion.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be right back into the episode. What was the original problem that the co-founders set out to solve and how did that come about uh, amongst them three? Yeah, it was really small business lending and technology and, and, and the realization that technology was going to change financial services for small businesses. So the original business model was if you're a small business owner, you come to our website, give us some information, we'll connect you with lenders that are you know the best fit for you, particularly if you're like declined by your bank for a loan and you need a loan. That was a time when there were tons of online lenders emerging, many of those mm-hmm. like merchant cash advance and like super high interest rate lenders out there. And so it's like, hey, we'll help you navigate this kind of confusing space and curate that for you. So almost like an online insurance broker for loans. Yeah, a finance broker using technology to try and make it better. But what we realized was, I mean, a few things. <laughs> First, that you couldn't be all things to everybody and, and do that very well. And specializing was really powerful. And that's what led ultimately to healthcare and you know dental and veterinary even within healthcare. But that took us a long time to realize that. You're trying to serve all small business owners. Mm-hmm. That's tough. It's tough to be really good for, you know, a bookstore looks very different from a restaurant, from a dental practice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're trying to build really great financial services products, it's hard to do it for everybody. So what stood out about healthcare and in particular dentists and veterinary clinics that made you guys want to kind of, okay, hey, I want to start heading this direction and maybe we should consider narrowing our scope? Yeah, it was really two things. The credit quality is incredible. Um, Historically, like default rates are very, very low for those industries through multiple cycles, right? So so that is very attractive from a credit perspective. And also from a, a customer acquisition perspective, typically there are lots of great advisors and service providers who work with dentists and veterinarians who refer them for financing when they need it to buy practice, grow their practice, whatever it might be. And those were both things that the players in the space were already doing and aware of, but we saw an opportunity to take technology and make the process better, right? Make the application experience faster and easier and bring it online and not be paper-based, get approved in a few days versus a few weeks. So that was really our insight was, hey, we can take these things that the industry understands pretty well about how to lend to a dentist um, or a veterinarian. And if we add technology, the process is 10 times better. So the idea of brokering these type of services was not necessarily proprietary, but doing it in a way that was more efficient and effective, or I guess emphasis on efficient, more streamlined using the tech is really where you guys innovated around. Yep. Like for example, the idea of a pre-qualification, right? Common in the mortgage industry, but in practice finance didn't really exist. We have a two-minute pre-qualification a doctor can do on their phone, soft credit pool, right? Super easy. So it's things like that. From pre-qualification through the funding of your loan, we take the time and the effort out of the process for the doctor. And we looked at a, a fintech space with a lot of great lenders doing cool stuff, but nobody addressing this specifically. Um, and we said, okay, there's an opportunity. And so what does the life cycle or just, I guess, the life of the company look like so far in terms of raises and different milestones you guys have hit? Yes, we raised a, a Series A at the end of 2018, which was a huge milestone. That was led by QED Investors, which is an amazing lead investor. They focus exclusively on fintech. Uh, it's the former Capital One founders. And so they brought Fifth Third into that round as an equity investor, which then led to our loan purchase partnership with Fifth Third. They were one of three banks that we were selling loans to. We'd originate and sell to our bank partners, which launched in 2020. And then in August of 21, so 13 months ago, we sold the company to Fifth Third. And did you disclose how much the Series A round raise was? Or it is was, that- yeah, 12 million for the Series A. And then I think the A and B combined, we disclosed was, was 34 million. 
And then you talk about the reselling part. So I'm trying to think about, so you're not underwriting the debt itself, right? Because there is an underwriting portion going into that. We are, yeah, yeah. So, you, so you are, okay. Yep, so the, the entire loan process beginning to end um, is what we do. So we have a great credit team, loan operations team, in addition to our sales teams, the entire origination process is provide. And then now being a subsidiary of Fifth Third, all the banking products that the doctor uses, so checking account, you know, merchant processing, treasury management, those are all Fifth Third products that we've sort of customized for doctors, but the lending experience is all provide. And so technically you guys almost were a bank yourself then, right? Or is that the well, wrong Well, we way never to look at it? had deposits, right? So we were always just sort of really a loan originator in that sense, right? We never went out and got a bank charter. I mean, you know, had we stayed independent, it was something we were kicking around as an idea, but it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough. It's tough to become a bank. A little more rules and regulations. Yeah, involved. exactly, exactly. What's a capital intensive business model in general, right? Did you guys have trouble before raising that series A to get this business model off the ground? Yeah, it's kind of like you're building two businesses at once, right? Because you need customers to lend to and you need money to lend to them. And it's about getting that money committed to lend before you go find the customers and approve them for loans. So like trying to build those two in lockstep is tough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just about generating a product that the customers want and generating demand there. It's you have to have the back end of all this lending capital set up ideally beforehand, right? So uh, yeah, it, it is capital intensive uh, and stressful. Yeah. So we've talked about a lot of the geeks here, right? You know, raises, fifth, third acquisition, but everybody we've ever had in here, there's nobody's been, hey, well, yeah, it was smooth sailing the whole way. And we just, you know, blew past every milestone, sold the company and walked off into the sunset. So I'm curious, what were the low points? Were there any points where you and the co-founders kind of sat down and said, well, guys, I don't know what we're going to do here. we got to figure this out. Totally. I think in the early days, trying to find product market fit, right, is always that period for any company that's a little bit scary. And for us, it took a long time, right? The guy's original business model was good, but ultimately not what we ended up doing. So those years of being like, well, should we keep this business going and start a new one on the side? Should we become a lender or not? Should we sell our software and become a software provider to banks? Like all these sort of existential questions. It's really hard. Looking back, we can say, oh yeah, we made a handful of good decisions, got lucky in a lot of ways. But like in the moment, you don't know. You don't know if you're Mm -hmm. making a decision that's going to like end your company, right? So I think there was that. And then I think like the early days of the pandemic for, of course, many companies, very, very scary, right? But for lending companies, especially like dental and vet practices in our world, they shut down and it wasn't clear like when they'd reopen. And many banks in our industry stopped lending altogether for a long stretch of time. And we were very lucky. Our bank partners, including Fifth Third, kind of stood by us there, right? And said like, hey, we want you to keep doing loans as soon as practices reopened. And it was clear that like whatever else happens, like this industry is going to kind of be the same. (laughs) Again, not knowing that, right? And we had to sort of figure out, okay, what are some ways that we can like bring value to our customers while, you know, in that brief period when we're not lending, So we kind of like became experts on the PPP and all that stuff and tried to be sort of a content hub for them around, you know, everything they were trying to navigate through that. But again, just the uncertainty of that time, like again, for I'm sure almost every company was a scary time, but for us as well. And where does Columbus come at the pictures? You talk about being out in San Fran and then how do you eventually find yourself here? Yeah, it's a great story. So on some level, we thought maybe the Twin Cities would be like HQ2 for us because we were all from there. Uh, And we sort of realized early on, you can't like build a huge company in San Francisco I mean, you can, but it's not very efficient, right? And it's, it's expensive. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of knew there'd be like an operational hub somewhere, but we hired uh, a guy named Sean Simon here in Columbus. He's our head of credit and operational risk today. And he was really our second ever credit person that we brought on. He wanted to stay here in Columbus and we were like, yeah, totally fine. And then he's an amazing recruiter and brought on so many great people. And we like blinked and we had like 25 people here in Columbus. And we're like, well, I guess that decides it. This is going to be, you know, a home for us. 
And then in the fall of 2019, I moved out here uh, mm -hmm. with my wife and daughter and she's from New York. I'm from Minnesota. So it's kind of like right in the middle. So it was an exciting move for us personally, in addition to being something that I think, you know, Dan and James felt like for the company was a really good move. Having somebody from that, not a founder, but the early team move out here and help Sean as he built the team here. Yeah, it's kind of interesting too. I think a lot of people that aren't from Ohio wouldn't realize that Ohio has quite a few financial services companies that have big presences in the region, if not their headquarters. So, yep. you know, there's a lot of connections around here that make for good connections for a business like Provide. Incredible talent pool. Yeah, we've right. just been blown away. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. So what I'm curious about now is kind of what does today look like and what are the initiatives you guys are working on? Well, how big was the team at acquisition too? I'm just trying to gauge a size. Yeah, around 110 and we're about 235 today. So we've more than doubled in the 13 months since the acquisition. So, so Fifth Third is happy with yeah, that acquisition, and, 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 I imagine. And we, and we love life at Fifth Third. It's been a great success story. I mean, you never know like with an acquisition, mm -hmm. how's it going to turn out? I mean, we had an existing partnership with them. So we felt like that de-risked things a little bit, right? That we knew them, we knew it was going to be a good fit, but you still never know. Mm -hmm. But it's been great. I mean, they committed and they've really stuck by like letting us run the company, right? We operate with a ton of autonomy, whether it's our culture, our brand, our operations. And that's been totally true. It's worked really well. And yeah, to your point, we've grown a ton and we're focused on becoming the market leader in our industry, mm -hmm. the biggest and best practice lender out there, but also building other products. I think, you know, we view our job as the loan is important, but as a doctor buying a practice or starting a practice, you need a lot of products to, you know, run that practice from a financial perspective. So trying to just round out that full suite of products so that a doctor can have everything they need to, you know, start, operate, expand their practice all with Provide and Fifth Third. Hey, everybody. Mike here to talk quickly about an amazing local organization, Casey Cares. And Casey Cares is hosting its inaugural 5K one mile walk on September 11th at lower.com field. The event is super special as all of the proceeds go directly to help the brave, critically ill children in our community as Casey Cares creates little moments and lasting memories for those who are battling for their lives. Casey Cares knows that the best palliative care comes from continuous ongoing support. And for families whose faith, relationships, and pocketbooks have been stretched to their breaking points, these programs with a special touch may be the only break many have from hospital stays and doctor's visits. To join Conquer and Columbus in supporting this amazing cause, you can register for their upcoming race by going to caseycares.org. That's C-A-S-E-Y cares.org. Participants will receive a t-shirt, finishers, medals, and will be able to enjoy post-race refreshments on the plaza at lower.com field. If you haven't been there, lower.com field is amazing. So we definitely recommend you go check it out, but we look forward to seeing you there. Don't forget, you can go to caseycares.org for more info. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get on with the show. Can I ask you to go, not to take us too far back, but to uncover a little bit about the life cycle of the company and kind of finding that product market fit and evolving. So there's a piece that I'm missing where we started kind of brokering these and then we niched down into healthcare. And then all of a sudden it went from a broker model to underwriting yourself, right? So can you talk about that piece? Yeah, it's a great question because that is sort of like the second big pivot. I think the first was like, let's focus on healthcare, narrow the focus, right? But then the realization was being this like intermediary, right? Or a finance broker was not going to cut it. We had to control the whole experience because as a broker, you're handing somebody off to a lender and mm -hmm. you have no control over their experience at that point. Right. And we realized that like, you know, we wanted to be uh, at that point, it was Lendever was the previous name of the company from beginning to end. It was like, gosh, this business model of being the connector, not going to work. We have to be a lender. We have to do the whole thing. Right. That was the moment where it sort of hit us like, okay, we got to go get capital to lend. Right. We're not going to be able to just 
you know, hand a package of tax returns and everything off to a lender and say, okay, you know, take it from here. We want to control the whole experience. So that was the beginning of like realizing, okay, this is going to be like growing two businesses at once, right? We have to go find bank partners that want these loans in addition to doctors that want to borrow from us. Do you reflect back on that, like you and the team and the co-founders and think how interesting it is the way it really played out? Because at the end of the day, it's almost like, I know you didn't take deposits and stuff, but you almost took these organizations would typically go to a bank for these services and said, hey, look, the deposit piece doesn't matter. We can be better than that using technology. And you like went from a broker kind of value chain and industry that you're at and just totally ended up something pretty much different by the end of it. It's really amazing. And then I think like the last iteration to today, right, where we're a subsidiary of a top 10 bank and our borrowers more than 80% of the time end up banking with Fifth Third, right? And having a great experience there. Because again, you can't really lay it out ahead of time, right? You don't know that that's how it's going to turn out. But looking back, yeah, the iterations make a ton of sense. You know, it happens organically to some degree. It almost, it'd be like you sitting there in day one in San Francisco and you're like, we're going to be a bank that doesn't take deposits for vet clinics and what was the other big niche? Dental, dental and, and better like, the two, yeah. Like yeah. dental, and it's interesting, like you don't see a lot of banks these days that even niche down by industry. I don't think I've ever seen, maybe it's just because of the fact that they want a larger addressable market. You know, like, is there anything that exists like that? I don't know if there's anything that exists like that. You know, we talk about like where these businesses end up and we've seen a lot of businesses that have made big pivots, right? But it's because nobody would have even realized that that was need until they got into it. Maybe here's my final question that I'm trying to get to in my head. Had you done that from day one, I wonder if you would have been successful. I think about that a lot. And it is interesting. There are some banks that do have practice finance divisions, right? Mm -hmm. Our biggest competitors all do that, right? You have to do this well. You have to sort of specialize, but they're not independent subsidiaries the way we are. They're, They're typically lines of business within the bank that focus on this kind of lending. But your question. Like, I don't know that we would have, like, I think every piece of that journey is like essential, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have to have some misses and near-death experiences in there to sort of solidify the culture and the resilience of the company. And you learn so much by getting stuff wrong, right? <laughs> Just like mm-hmm. you figure things out that there's no other way that you'd have the conviction to do something other than having made a mistake and doing something else, right? So hard to know, but I don't think we would have, you know, had we stumbled into that, like from day one, I don't think it would have been the same journey. So What about the long-term future? I mean, have you thought about that? Like, hey, do you want to end your career at Provide? Or have you thought about long-term? And are you the group of type of co-founders and people that like early stage employees that are like, hey, we've got this other idea stewing in the back and we're just waiting for the time to be right to go and make that happen? Or are you guys thinking long-term, hey, we want to stay here, see how far we can take this? I think the latter. We're loving life at Fifth Third. And it's everything they committed to us has borne out to be completely true. We're growing a great company, building additional products, growing the team, continue to attract awesome talent, a lot of it here in Columbus. So yeah, for now, we're loving it. And when you say building new products, are you focusing on the same industries and building new products to serve those industries? Or have you just thought about maybe trying to break into some other areas? It's a great question because like people ask about like optometry or medical or some of the other, or even mm-hmm. outside of healthcare. And there's definitely opportunity there. I think we look at dental and vet and we're like, until we have you know the full suite of products that a dentist needs and they're all exceptional. There's just so much room to run in these industries that Mm -hmm. we're going to stick with those and keep that focus. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean we wouldn't expand into other verticals eventually, but we're just really focused on delivering something exceptional to dentists and vets today. I'm curious, how does the shift in the dental industry, and I don't know if it's, it might be similar in the veterinary industry, but as far as I'm aware, there's been a slow shift away from like single owner practices to more, not industrialized in the right word, but organized, yeah, yeah, consolidation and organization into more corporate entities. So how does that impacted your business? And are you focused more on those corporate entities or kind of the mom and pop shop? More the single doctor, Mm -hmm. one, two, three, four locations. Certainly the consolidation 
it's happening. It's a thing, nothing to the degree that it did like in the medical field. Mm -hmm. But I think what we've seen is the industry as a whole is still growing, right? So even if consolidation is sort of this force, maybe decreasing the percentage of individual practice owners as a whole, our opportunity is still getting bigger. So yeah, we feel good about it. We love celebrating like the entrepreneurial journey of a doctor, right? It's like mm -hmm. something they've trained their whole life to do. And, you know, they're setting out to build a business the same way that kind of we did, right? We see a lot of their journey and what we went through. So we love that aspect of what we get to do. So a lot of our listeners are business owners themselves or executives in business or younger entrepreneurs. As you reflect back on the journey so far, especially coming from a field that was totally different, what really sticks out to you? And would you have any advice to anybody that's looking at you from the outside? I think, you know, one thing when you're in that like really stressful time early on, when you're trying to figure out what you're going to do and you don't know if it's going to work, you definitely tend to, I think, forget to enjoy the journey to the extent you can, right? Like it, it, when it's stressful, it, it is hard to just like say like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm trying to embrace this. But I do look back and say, I miss those early days in some ways. There's like a sense of like, okay, just like get to the next fundraiser, get to the next moment where we can catch our breath and we'll be all right. But if you're constantly doing that and like looking two, three steps ahead, you do sort of miss the journey to some degree, right? And so I, if I could do it again, that's one I would try to soak it up more, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and just be like, even if it is stressful and uncertain, like there's a lot of magic in that, which is really cool to be a part of. What about Columbus? How do you, you see yourself staying in Columbus for long term? Totally. We love it. So we landed in German Village when we moved mm -hmm. here, but our daughter started at CSG and Columbus School for Girls in Bexley. So we moved to Eastmore recently. Love it there. We're huge fans of Columbus now. So I see us being here for a while. Right on. Well, I think, you know, Andrew, that's a good place to head towards our last question of the show. It's centered on the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that phrase for a show about entrepreneurs, business owners, and other leaders, what do you think of when you hear it? How's it applied to your life and career? I think like to some degree, being comfortable, being uncomfortable is important. I know that's sort of a cliche, but like I, for us moving from San Francisco to Columbus, knowing outside of the company, knowing nobody, right? Having like no family here, nothing. It, that was a scary move for our family. We had a 10 month old daughter, right? And we just like packed up the car and drove across the country and we found this like amazing life here. And so I think there's like, kind of to my earlier point, there's a sense like when you're uncomfortable, like get through it, right? Like mm -hmm. just like, just like survive it and endure it and get to the next moment of time in your life when you are comfortable. But again, I think you miss some of the beauty of being uncomfortable, which is like, the amount of growth that happens when you're in those mm -hmm. periods, right? And that uh, it's not about just surviving it, but like really appreciating the full moment when you're in it. Yeah, I can really agree with that. I mean, we're in the middle of a bit of a mad scramble at FMX end of the quarter, right? I'm sure yep. you know yep. how that goes, but it's those moments where, you know, you're up at seven, eight o'clock talking to one of your team members like, hey man, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to get this deal? And you're like, man, I'm so tired. Yep. And it's been really tough. But then at the end of it, you go back and you look back and those are the things you remember the most. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Andrew, it's been great talking to you. We really appreciate you coming on the show, telling your story, talk about Provide. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that episode, go ahead and leave a like or hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. You won't ever miss an episode of us. We release every Monday. So if you want to hear more interviews just like it, again, hit that subscribe button. Thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate your support. We'll talk to you next week.